Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. In today's episode, I speak with my very first returning guest, Abigail Olive, Head of Marketing, Sales and Programming at Castle Howard, the stately home and visitor attraction in North Yorkshire. Abby takes us on a journey through the seasons at Castle Howard as she explains just what it's like to film a TV production at a visitor attraction and she shares her advice for other attractions that are thinking about doing the same. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. I am very excited to have Abigail Olive back on the podcast today. To be the first returner. <laughs> I mustn't have put you off too much first time round. Well, I think it's more like I didn't put you off because you were episode six of season one, which was all the way back. <gasps> all the way back in 2019. And I didn't ask people icebreaker questions then. So you might regret this after these. Who knows? First one. What is the strangest or worst gift that you've ever received? So last Christmas, my my partner basically took Christmas as an opportunity to solve anything I'd been moaning about. So my Christmas presents were things like, you know, those little hand warmers, because I'd obviously been complaining that my hands were cold. And I'd been complaining about my um, drive to work here at Castle Howard in rural North Yorkshire, sometimes being a little bit hairy. Um, so my Christmas present was winter tyres and a four by four driving experience <laughs> to try and, uh, which at the time I was like, oh, like I, I really would have loved, you know, like a baking experience or a pizza making course or something. And I was pretty grumpy about going but it actually turned out to be a really excellent gift and I had a fab time I feel like I'm qualified now to drive people through a field or you know through a stream if they need and I know how to use my um, ridiculous rural vehicle so um so I was a bit grumpy about it because I was like oh this is you know it's very kind but <laughs> feels like you really wanted to come up with this it's quite thoughtful though isn't it that's quite a well thought so. out gift he's been listening He's just yeah. interpreted it in a slightly original, a more original way than you were expecting. So that sounds very ungrateful, doesn't it? And I did have a, I did have a fab time, but I have dropped some hints this year about like I've decided to complain about different stuff <laughs> in case that gets resolved in a different way. I I'm feel out of my shoulders are really tense. I think you know, like a massage might really help me this year. <laughs> like it, yeah. I'm running out of mascara. If anyone's listening, just there's okay. uh, yeah, stuff. I need some of that on my shopping list. Spa day would be excellent. My shoulders feel tense too. I like this subtle hint dropping. Right, okay. If you could only listen to one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? Whenever people ask me like, oh, what's your taste in music? It's just very eclectic. And at the minute I am listening on repeat to Self Esteem, who I think is just amazing. So I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's called Rebecca. She's from Rotherham, where my dad is from. Uh, I don't think many pop stars have come out of Rotherham, South Yorkshire. Um, But her give her album a listen. So we saw her at a festival when she was quite up and coming. And she's just done Jules Holland and is now kind of on a bigger tour next year. We booked again to see her. And it's just hugely empowering. Um, and I think for kind of, you know, younger women, teenagers kind of finding their way um, through what can be quite a complex time. I just think her her kind of lyrics and her whole approach to, you know, empowerment is really, really inspiring. So so I, I don't know whether that would be my, like the one I'd listen to forever, but it is on repeat 
in my car on my journey to work um constantly at the moment and and that's my like top tip i think give her a give her a listen did you did you combine that album with the off-road driving as well at the weekend to give you a little bit no, of an I extra think boost? maybe maybe empowerment like yes <laughs> women driving through fields and Yay. <laughs> awesome good response okay final one um if you could bring back any fashion trend what would it be I think I was meant to be in the 1950s. I think, you know, uh, those that kind of grease uh, styling is I'd love to just look like that every day, really, if I could get away with it. And if I had time to properly do my hair in rollers and um, all of that jazz, I think I think that's that's the period I'd probably go back to. And I think be quite into that sort of retro 50s, really bright. I like the sort of the bright, vibrant um, you know, I'd, I'd happily drive an American pink Cadillac through the country roads of North Yorkshire. Yeah. I remember this about you. You're, yeah. you're about colour. I do remember this about you when we met in person. You love a colour and you love a, a patterned dress, an excellently patterned dress. Yeah, I do. And I wish I could suit a hat better. Some people, like my brother's always in a very cool hat, but I just don't suit it. I think it's the fringe. The fringe glasses hat combo is one I can't pull off. Fringe with a woolly hat is really difficult, isn't it? Because it just pushes mm, it, it down into your eyes. Um, I'd like to be a hat person as well. I feel like people that wear hats, they just exude confidence. Do you know what I mean? Like just have that, they walk with confidence. They walk high with a hat on. I'd quite like that too. Yeah. Right, good choices. All right. Um, what about your unpopular opinion, Abby? Because we've never had one of these from you. No, we haven't. And I'm sure I've got plenty <laughs> that I could share. <laughs> I mean, like my my initial instinct with this was... Um, I would never be upset if I didn't ever hear an Oasis song again, but that's not the one I'm going to go with. Oh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, but what, it's a podcast related one. I thought I'd be topical. So I really hate comedians on podcasts. Um, I just can't be doing with all the chat, you know, trying to be funny and all the chat in between what it is they're actually meant to be talking about. So I love a foodie podcast, but I just want them to cut the chase and I want to hear somebody talk about like, you know, something uh, they're knowledgeable about. Uh, maybe I just don't really like comedy comedians in general, but on a podcast, I, that's my unpopular opinion. So do you think it's because they're trying a bit too hard because that's their job and they're trying to like, you know, like if a supplier comes on and they're trying to plug their thing, they're trying to plug their, I'm funny, really. Yeah, I think it's just like, I, I, I was going to try and not name names, but, you know, I'm quite a foodie and I like a foodie podcast. And I think maybe that's, maybe I've realised that actually I, I want to hear about the food and not all the chat that surrounds it. Um so yeah comedians on podcast I'm gonna ban them all right good. Well, glad I'm not funny or I'd be right well I'm not here, either so. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we'll Abby. have no comedy we'll just get the questions that's <laughs> it we're done now we're done with anything humorous for the rest of the yes. rest of the episode excellent thanks for setting the tone right Abby um just for our listeners that don't know of you I'm sure there's not many tell us a little bit about who you are what you do I, at the moment, am very fortunate to be kind of running the visitor attraction side of things at Castle Howard. So anybody who hasn't heard of Castle Howard, Castle Howard's a stately home in North Yorkshire. It was designed by Sir John Vanbrugh in 1699. Um, So it's a historic house, open as a visitor attraction, but also sits within a 9,000 acre estate. So it's still home to the Howard family. They are, um, you know, directly my line managers and Castle Howard's open 364 days a year as an attraction. Um, But I think like it's also a really interesting place. So I arrived here knowing that I was coming to be involved in a visitor attraction. But I think maybe, you know, it was more of a 
pleasant surprise that we're actually foresters and farmers and we have a holiday park and holiday cottages and a farm shop and a garden centre and kind of all the, the um, catering and retail outlets as well. So um I think like in total, it's nine different businesses and my role kind of heads up marketing and events and programming and sales um, and, you know, that kind of visitor experience side of things. So I'm not actually being um, asked to be responsible for the farming and forestry. You'll be relieved to hear. But it's also <laughs> like just unlocks so many stories that as a marketeer at heart, I guess, is really exciting on a daily basis. And um, we're not a charity. So, in, you know, all the income generated by footfall and visitors you know paying for an admission ticket goes directly into the restoration and heritage of the building and the listed landscape um so I've been here for just over five years so I'm just in the middle of Christmas number six um which it's a a joyous time to be at a place like Castle Howard when it's all decked out for Christmas and we're welcoming kind of literally thousands of visitors um a day over this festive season so um big day today it's a kind of rainy North Yorkshire (laughs) midweek day but we've got 11 coaches here and they're all having a fabulous time and I've just had a message saying can someone come and help with the queues in the Bauble Emporium so that's the kind of (laughs) you know thing that can occur on an hourly basis basis um but yeah I'm, I'm Yorkshire so I haven't actually moved very far um not deliberately but just because stuff's come up here and it's a gorgeous place in the world to be um I've got a little boy so you know kind of living in the countryside um and having quite an outdoorsy life you know really suits us um my background's in theatre but theatre marketing and comms so kind of did 10 years in in theatre before moving across into visitor attractions which is just a theatre of a different kind I think it's a show isn't it yeah you're creating a a theatre for people that come and visit um and that leads us a little bit to what we're going to talk about today really a a show of a slightly different kind so I think there's been there's been a bit of a run of programs like this so I'm talking about programs like the secret life of the zoo at Chester Zoo inside the zoo Edinburgh Zoo there's been quite a lot of zoo related um tv programs on recently that give you a bit of a snapshot of behind the scenes i think one zoo three was the other one from paradise uh, wildlife park but you have been involved in shooting tv programs for channel four called castle howard through the seasons tell us a little bit about what the tv series is and then tell us what on earth made you decide to be part of a tv program So I suppose dialing back a little bit from the TV show we've just been making this year is, I guess, Castle Howard's one of the original screen tourism destinations and has been in some pretty iconic period dramas. Um, It's very well known as Brideshead Revisited, both the 1981 Granada TV show and then the later movie in, in 2008. And we had a you know, our Bridgerton moment. So um, <laughs> series one, episode six or episode six, as most people know it, <laughs> in Bridgerton <laughs> was all filmed here at Castle Howard. And I could definitely, you know, tell you plenty of stories from that uh, few weeks of my life that I'll never forget. But I, I think like we're kind of used to being a location and Castle Howard plays its own part in, in a period drama. You know, it's almost a character in its own right. And we've been in plenty of them. And, you know, we've also filmed the Arctic Monkeys music video here from their kind of most recent album. Um, 
and we've also been played host to an American TV um, reality show, which was like I describe it as kind of Love Island with the Regency twist, which region, recently someone said should be the name of a cocktail, which I love. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think and that was a kind of an American reality TV show. But I think it's the first time then that we've actually considered seriously and gone ahead with with us being the subject of what is being filmed and like I think that's the big difference really for us with a an observational documentary or obdoc as it's known in the business and there were a few things really that made us decide to go ahead with that and you've mentioned already um a couple of those really reassuring series that happened, mostly zoo related, that made us feel like actually there's um, a real warmth and positivity to how they how they kind of they're not trying to stitch you up. They're trying to tell a really positive story about your people and your attraction. Um, and I think that's what's maybe changed over the last few years. So we'd seen Chatsworth go first, really. They they opened their doors and did a year in the life at Chatsworth. And that actually ended up being during the pandemic. So it was a very unusual year in the life of Chatsworth in the a lot of the time it was during lockdown and um but even through that challenging period of time when we watched it um as as viewers we could see that that team had really taken a lot of care um to tell chats with stories and to be really respectful and positive about you know that the whole estate and i think that that was a huge reassurance for us i think in the past yeah, I've had loads of filming inquiries over my time here and we've really avoided the sort of fly on the wall documentaries. I think there's been a general perception and nervousness that they want to stitch you up. And like also for me, the, the format only really works if you have the the buy in and the involvement of Nick and Vicky Howard, who are the custodians of this place um, and have them kind of authentically involved. And I think they had seen, you know, in years gone by, maybe some not so positive examples and that had put them off the idea. So I think, you know, like we started talking to the ITN team who'd been working with Chatsworth um, during the pandemic and it was a real slow burn. So it was about building that relationship and kind of having meetings with them, them getting to know me and the Howards and talking really about what the stories were that we wanted to tell. Um, and, you know, they came to us as part originally as part of the Christmas series they were doing. So last year when we had Narnia as our Christmas theme, they made a, a four part series across four different houses um, and we were one of those so it was kind of a more intensive Christmas at Castle Howard experience first off um, and that's been quite different to then them coming back and being here all year but I think it, it's definitely I'd say um, you know we said we said no quite a lot before eventually we said maybe and then over the course of like probably a year of meetings and building trust and you know really kind of bottoming out what we all want to get out of it um we eventually said yes and I think you know in that time as well we'd seen things released like a secret life at the zoo and I think like I think our other main concern or nervousness about saying yes was we were sort of waiting for a vintage year at Castle Howard like we knew that you know coming out of the pandemic everything's been challenging and difficult and we felt like oh maybe in next year or in a couple of years time we'll be doing a really big significant bit of restoration to a monument or um you know re we've got plans to kind of reinstate some of our burnt out rooms after the fire that Castle Howard suffered um during the war so I think we felt like there's going to be a big story to tell and we better hold off for that moment in Castle Howard's history before we let the TV cameras in yeah. and I think actually like you know what changed that 
was the pandemic and thinking, well, actually in any kind of normal or abnormal year, we have amazing people, we have amazing stories to tell. Sometimes it's those smaller stories of, you know, the truly getting under the skin of the life in a country estate like this that um, viewers will ultimately kind of really enjoy so so we kind of stopped holding off for that that perfect moment and and went for it it's interesting though because you like you're thinking about I guess once you agree to go ahead with something like this you are thinking constantly about how entertaining is this actually going to be like is our just our day-to-day stuff that goes on all the time is that enough for people are they going to actually tune in and watch it and you know and how is that going to I guess there's a, there's a, a thought all the time about how we're going to be portrayed and how will that come across. So, if you hold out for okay, this this room needs renovation or, or, or you know you know looking after that gives you a focus that 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 will kind of detract from just some of the normal stuff that would be happening. And actually, we we so we actually started um, with. ITN and Channel 4 in 2020 and we were trying to pull off a Christmas in the middle of COVID that when the tiering system and all that business came in we we couldn't go ahead like many attractions and, and houses um so we started making a tv program about I was like build on this um you know I was definitely shown as like head of saving Christmas and then we had to cancel it so we we cancelled the whole thing and we took the difficult decision actually that it wasn't going to be the show we wanted it to be we we mutually agreed really to pull out of that because um we didn't want a show about trying to make a big Christmas happen and then you know the government saying you're in the wrong tier you can't open and a show kind of about how disappointing that was so we we took that decision and actually that was a gamble at the time because I thought maybe that would be that done really but they agreed to come back the following year and make kind of Christmas in Narnia um as a documentary so I think you know it's it's definitely had its ups and downs over the over quite a period of time so you know again that build of trust and them getting to know us during the year that didn't happen I think they saw enough potential to think actually we will we'll come back and go again but um all of that's really challenging when you've when you know they and us have put budget and resource into a whole period of filming that we then pull the plug on so yeah of course and and uh, you know by no fault of your own and actually you know there was nothing that we really could do about it could you you made the right decision at the time I guess like I just want to step back a little bit because you said that you I can't I can't remember if you said that you were approached by them or if you approached them to talk about it and how how do you kind of work out what the focus of of the TV show will be about I'd been approached by quite a number of um, observational documentary companies and I'd met with quite a few and it was it was kind of this exec producer who'd been working with Chatsworth and you know we'd kind of seen a bit of what they'd done at Chatsworth that made us kind of agree and further that conversation with this particular production company which is ITN for Channel 4. Um, so we were we've been approached a lot and kind of you know continue to be actually and I think um there's a like you said at the beginning there's a real rise isn't there in these sort of observational documentaries at places um within the visitor attractions sector so we didn't actively go out to to try and do this I suppose we were courted and approached um and took a little bit of persuading (laughs) yeah and and I guess everyone that's going to be part part of this has to be really comfortable with being on camera right because they're going to be recording for a whole year at your venue. So you've got to get used to people being around. You've got to be able to run your events around while all this filming is happening as well. So it is, it's not a quick decision to make at all by any means. 
No, there's a lot to think about, actually. And I think, you know, we we made sure we'd we'd properly thought about that and, and kind of met and sort of bashed a lot of that out internally before we started. I think like the things that made us most nervous were around control and editorial control and kind of how much of that you just have to relinquish and how much we would be allowed to input into the, the sort of storytelling and storyboarding um i think there was that but also the ability for us to resource it like you've said it's no um small thing to take on we're quite a small team we're still doing everything we need to do in a normal year pulling off big events and um you know big projects and having a film crew with you three to four days a week kind of every week of um, pretty much a year is is quite intense and and I think like what we tried to do to overcome that was um, before anybody had a a camera put in front of them we we tried to do a really good amount of kind of kickoff meetings with all the stakeholders with the producers Um, we were really really clear with them about our ambitions and the key messages we wanted to communicate um, by having a year in the life at Castle Howard filmed, um, it was an opportunity for us to communicate um, that real conservation aim and the the fact we have a conservation deficit, we're not a charity. It was a really good opportunity for us to communicate where visitors' admission fees go. Um, it's really powerful to actually see somebody restoring a chimney or you know repainting windows and understand what what resource has to go into that and that's across the board across the whole estate so I think sometimes that's hard to communicate actually you know with with visitors but having this mass market platform to do that so we we were really really clear about what we wanted to get out of it and you know what actually goes into running a rural estate and managing that in the 21st century coming out of the pandemic with all the you know the, the kind of wider world landscape going on as well around us um that was really important actually that we felt respected and like the tv crew and their producers understood what we wanted to get out of it and and i think that's really helped throughout the whole year and that they can kind of go oh this scene that we're filming now that really relates and helps tell that story from your objectives so yeah, that was certainly certainly helpful. That's great, isn't it? That they are that they're so aligned with with your objectives mm-hmm. that they're actually highlighting things that reference back to them as you're shooting. Because you guess sometimes you might think that kind of gets discussed at the at the top and then it gets parked, and then we might not think about that again until it gets to editing stage. And by that point, you know, there's so much content. How are they going to really? get the message across that that we want them to and I guess that comes forward to one of the questions about that content and the editing process and like how much of that were you involved in as you go through the film and you've had those initial conversations about objectives but were, were there any times where you were where, where something was happening and they were shooting and in your head you're standing you're watching this thing unfold in front of you going this cannot go out on telly and they're really going to want this to go out on telly and that's not going to happen at all. That has changed throughout the year. We've all learned a lot as the year has progressed. And like we started very structured and I planned out like everything to within an inch of its life. So, you know, for for last Christmas, you know, I kind of diarised everything the film crew were going to be attending, made sure we had pre-meetings with everybody involved, uh, made sure departments were all on board and had key messages and understood like what we were trying to get out of every scene. Um, I pretty much storyboarded the whole 
episode. And I remember the producer saying to me, like, we don't normally get quite this level of input from, you know, team on the ground. And I think I'm just a bit of a control freak because like, I can't have people just wandering around with a camera. Who knows what they'll discover? Um, but actually, like, I think what I quickly discovered is that that doesn't always make the best TV. And they're experts. They're really good at what they do. And I just needed to learn to trust that we were all actually aiming for the same outcome they weren't trying to kind of sneak around and find stuff that I'd you know didn't want to be filmed and and actually as the years gone on I think by the time we got to the Christmas episode which you know they only left last week and are busy editing that now to turn it around they knew the Castle Howard team so well and our team knew the Channel 4 team so well um, and are so used to them being around it just has needed a lot less input from me and my team um they kind of really had a sense of workflows around who's responsible for what um they felt like an extension of our team as the year has gone on and we've really built that trust um so i had no issue then with them kind of going off and filming something happening without me being present because i'd, I'd learned to really trust them but i think like i can't really do this this um chat without mentioning peacock gate can i, I, mean, I think like, please. <laughs> that's an example really early on where um it was a day where on my schedule we were having a historic paint specialist um, scraping off layers of the paint on Castle Howard's windows to try and discover what the original Vambra colour would be because we're now in the process of repainting all of the external woodwork which needed doing and white paint didn't actually exist then and so that's you know was never the, the colour that Castle Howard would have been painted on the, the windows and woodwork. So we had this amazing like guy doing his historical paint scraping which is what I had the Channel 4 crew um, focused on because I thought that would make a very interesting restoration story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then got the call from like World War Three that appeared to be kicking off in the car park because it was breeding season for our peacocks. We've got about 20 peacocks on the estate. And, well, we think there was a male interloper to our peacock gang I don't know where he came from but this male peacock was very rowdy and very rundy and uh, was seeing his reflections his reflection in cars so in the visitor car park any kind of car especially if it was like a dark color or blue and was clean um so luckily my car was always very safe (laughs) (laughs) ever clean um it was seeing its reflection and trying to attack what it thought was a rival peacock so I've got the kind of person who looks after our security on high alert trying to basically chase a peacock out of the car park and people very concerned that both staff cars and visitor cars were going to get damaged um so this was all kicking off and I was like right everybody keep the channel four team focused on the windows <laughs> do not let them come anywhere near um what's occurring up here because I could see like our head gardener running around with a, what can only be described as a giant butterfly net like some kind of Victorian <laughs> explorer trying to literally catch and net a peacock um anyway it escalated really quickly um and the peacock got onto one of our staff cars and smashed in the back windscreen so it became like actually not that funny quite quickly because then we were suddenly into like a really difficult scenario with um the person involved was very upset as you can imagine um from an animal welfare point of view we didn't want to do anything to the peacock that you know this is during visitor opening hours and of course on the day where we had the rolls royce society coming on a trip 
So we then suddenly had to like pull off people from various parts of the attraction to go and be Rolls Royce security. And they thought they they didn't even notice the peacock. And they thought we were giving them such an amazing service. They were delighted. (laughs) They couldn't believe the amount of security we have in our car park. Um, So, yeah, all this was kicking off. And we had a couple of emergency senior management meetings um, kind of assembled that day to decide like what ultimately the different options were and in this meeting we discussed what should we do about the the channel 4 film crew and everybody's instinct was we're now involved with insurers Um, the insurers are saying it's a wild animal so you know we can't really help you but we just put on social media in national gardening week the week before that the head gardener has names for all the peacocks and has hand reared them and you know so there was kind of like an insurance argument going on and we we love the peacocks and visitors absolutely love the peacocks and they make Castlehard really unique so it's really difficult when you've told that story um you've got well and it was like Jurassic Park I'm not joking it was absolutely carnage all the peacocks then got wind of the fact that someone was trying to you know catch one of the the crew and they started like um there's a, a video from like inside the main house which Nick Howard took of them all like lined up on the windows like pecking the glass and I was thinking they're now going to like actually smash in the windows they, they just went feral and um, but in this meeting we had a like we had this big debate then so this is all like quite unusual I guess it's all quite unusual you know on a Tuesday in whatever it was April May and I I brought it up in this meeting. I said, right, what are we going to do about Channel 4? We're not going to be able to keep this secret, really. Um, We have to kind of decide whether it's something we're happy to let them film and cover. It's reality. It's what's going on. And Vicky Howard, to her credit, she said, I think it's going to make excellent TV. I think it's, you know, it's the kind of, if you're doing a year in the life at Castle Howard, you want to show some of the slightly more quirky (laughs) things that go on. Um, and it was reality. It was what was happening. So we made the the call to their exec producer and explained what was going on. And then obviously the you won't be surprised to hear in episode one, which was aired week before last, the uh, historic restoration of the windows does not make the cut. <laughs> but the whole story of like the peacock, um, which went from like you know the sublime to the ridiculous over the, the next few days does make the cut and um we've now got peacock merchandise in the gift shop for christmas and he's famous uh peacock, capitalized so, on every element yeah, i love it we have so i think that's a good example you asked like you know how at the point where we kind of go yeah i think we need to relinquish control i can't storyboard this to within an inch of its life i can't actually control everything you know i i want them to film um and this is going to make great tv so that's good i mean it makes great tv but it also makes a great talk i'm not gonna lie listeners i have heard this story before and i had to go on to speak after abby shared this with the room so you can imagine just how my talk bombed the room (laughs) outdone by a peacock Thank you. Yeah, and I didn't think we were doing Secret Life of the Zoo here, but as it turned out. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Uh, it is a brilliant story. And I think it, 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 what, what you said is, you know, you just at some point have to relinquish control because it is going to make good telly, right? And it is a, it's a bonkers thing that happened that day. You know, you had no way of, there was no part of planning that that was going to happen. It wasn't a normal thing that happens every day. Yes, you've got peacocks, but, you know, they don't normally go feral and start smashing up cars. What could have made for a better TV moment than that? Other than Peacock Gate, is there anything else that surprised you about the process of, of the filming? 
maybe that the people you think are going to be great characters sometimes aren't and those who are really reluctant to feature and kind of would naturally run a mile if you try to put them in front of a tv camera often make the best tv i think like finding your stars and the really authentic people who are incredibly passionate about what they do and in a place like castle howard there those people around every corner um people who are kind of been working here for four generations and have like amazing kind of passion and connection with the place and then those people who have really unusual skills like my paint specialist or you know people who um are just doing like incredibly niche things I think like it's not hard to find the stories but I think I think it was that really like you know there were, there were people who I was trying to navigate the cameras away from um, and then there was really willing people who I put myself in that category I didn't mind at all kind of being on film but I think I just come across as a Blue Peter presenter and actually there are funnier more authentic lovely people shining through on the series um, that we had to kind of coerce a little bit more into being involved um and and I think that again like it all comes back to the thing I said earlier about building trust and our producers had a really good instinct for that um I think they managed you know really skillfully to get under the skin of the organization and by sort of relinquishing control a bit and letting them do what they do really well and trusting their judgment they ended up kind of putting some of our people and scenarios and stories on tv that I definitely wouldn't have storyboarded I don't think and I guess like you, we talked about editing and control and stuff and relinquishing that a little bit earlier. But have you the series is out now and we'll talk, we'll, we'll give everyone the dates and we'll tell them where they can find it in a, in a little while. But have you did you get the opportunity to watch it before it's been out live for people? So it was a really small team of us who were who had a low res proof and we were allowed to within the contract check all of the facts and also have an opinion and push back on anything we thought might be reputationally damaging and actually you know we we changed a few facts and corrected people on some stuff but the way you know I think we've been really pleased actually with the way in which it was edited and we haven't pushed back all that much and like I think you know being able to sort of watch it and absorb it a couple of times before giving the the sign off has been a really helpful layer so I think you know there were no massive surprises then when it's aired to a million people on TV because there's already been a layer of fact checking and and you know for me that's about making sure people's job titles are correct or they're referred to in the right way you know I don't want someone to have put a lot of time and effort into a filming sequence and then be called the wrong thing or you know credited in the wrong way so um so I had that that layer of editorial input um but ultimately what ends up in and what ends up not in is is totally up to them so I think you know that's just one of the one of the learnings really it's about managing people's expectations so um the dog festival we do every year is a good example you know we spent a whole weekend and, and actually the weeks leading up to it covering that as a story um and you know lots of filming lots of people kind of being asked to do bits on camera and the various suppliers and providers we had at that big event um and it didn't make the cut at all so it, wow. it's just because they had you know if they're here for the whole year they decide probably because of the peacock actually but they decide what kind of flows 
in yeah. terms of their narrative and and um we have to just manage people's expectations in that you know so so helpful for me to see it so I can also do that because I don't want everyone sat at home on a Saturday oh. night watching for their bit and me knowing it's not in there oh god can um, you imagine so you imagine yeah. the, your paint history guy yeah exactly there, <laughs> yeah. ready for his big moment yeah. and then yeah. and then the peacock yeah. takes over yeah that's an so awesome. I think like so internal communication and just like you know I'm I'm sort of uh, spending a lot of time or have spent a lot of time persuading people to be involved in filming and then I have to kind of do the bit of time explaining to people that thanks for like going above and beyond to organize that thing uh, so we could film it actually it's it's now not in the show um, so you know I think but like I think like one of the other things that it's maybe I don't know if it's a surprise or not but Castle Howard and a year in the life here is is a microcosm for what's happening in the real world and one of the other things we discussed quite a bit off camera as a senior team was how much we sugarcoat our narrative and want to look like amazing and brilliant and positive and in the end we decided it's better to be really transparent and you see our senior management team then in meetings with the cameras in the room talking about how visitor numbers haven't been what we forecasted over the summer and you know cost of living crisis and you know the things that are happening in the real world because I think the risk was is that it you know people would maybe watch this and think well you know they've got no grip on reality and what the challenges are that people are facing so I think we had to we had to just be very authentic and real um, and we did debate that quite a lot actually because it's it's perhaps a slightly more exposing or brave thing to go well yeah come into the senior management meeting we're going to discuss the figures we're going to discuss the reforecast this is why we think numbers have perhaps dropped off this is what we're going to do about it and and I think hopefully that gives viewers the sense of what what goes into the kind of running of the business Um, and you see you know you see our amazingly they agreed to be filmed you see our Ukrainian refugee family arriving in an estate cottage next week on the autumn episode um and you know it kind of reflects what's happening on the estate here is what's happening in the rest of the world and like and unbelievably as well like some of it's like you said some of it's luck and you couldn't plan exactly where the cameras were going to be at what point but um they were filming a meeting a senior management meeting at the moment where the announcement came through of the queen's death so they film the reaction to that as it's happening. And that could have happened, you know, at 10 o'clock at, at night when nobody was even in the building. So some of it is is luck and, you know, a lot is planned. But it really, it kind of is a reflection, I think, on the mood of the nation and what else is happening in the in the wider um, sector and, and kind of political landscape and, and everything else. So I think, like, again like how I approached it was we've got all these great stories to tell and this is who I want you know in it and what I want to feature but actually as life happens and as the year progressed um you couldn't have planned half the things that have ended up in the show no not at all and but it does give it that that authenticity about like this is real this is actually happening and this is our lives it's not just a tv show one thing that struck me actually was when I was watching there was a, a moment where uh, one of the senior management team said, look, we just, you know, I think we rule out the fact that overseas visitors are not coming. That's it. And it really made me think back about the last time you came on the podcast, which was in 2019. And when you came on then, it was talking about the love affair that Castle Howard has with China and the amount of visitors that were driving through from from a, a famous uh, wedding that you'd had at the at the castle and I just thought that is a complete and utter contrast, isn't it, to the things that we're now talking about now and that that 
process and, and that experience that you've been through to get to this point? You know, because some of those like foundations that we really relied upon in terms of generating income, like our Chinese market, you know, when that rug's pulled from under you, I think it's made us be maybe a bit more brave and risk taking in grasping opportunities that maybe we wouldn't have done in 2019. And I'd say this filming project is one of those kind of I absolutely put that in the category. We're kind of in a position where, you know, we know those, you know, some of those income streams aren't coming back. So putting ourselves in front of a a huge audience and kind of grasping that PR opportunity this year, I think is a direct result of you know how the world's changed in the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. So reflecting on the experience that you've been through, and it has literally just finished, you said that they're, that they're now hastily editing the Christmas episode to go out soon or winter episode. What advice would you give to other attractions that are thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe we'll do it, you know, maybe we'll we'll start to have those conversations? Yeah, hopefully got a few nuggets and also really happy to talk to anybody who is in the process of, you know, going into this, having now had some lived experience of it. But I think like if you're open to filming in the first place, having clear contact details on the website, you know, we for location filming and obviously this kind of thing as well, we produced a a filming brochure which is a pdf and a physical brochure to kind of sell castle howard so we were like whilst this observational documentary obviously came to us as an opportunity we're actively trying to sell ourselves as the filming location and and i think like you know reaching out to um if you've watched a program and you've really loved it you know there's always credits at the end and you can kind of say well that's a really good example of something i'd love to replicate in my own workplace and kind of tracking down those people and setting up meetings and chats um and i think you know as a obviously we're part of the treasure houses group um there's 10 treasure houses are privately owned stately homes in the country and we do a lot as a collective and we're attending a filming exhibition in london together called focus um in a couple of weeks time and kind of as a group making sure we're in those places meeting the location managers meeting people in the industry starting to form those relationships and you know the Christmas series this year that Channel 4 are doing again it features four of the treasure houses and and different ones to to last year so we're a repeat I guess in that it's winter for us it's not necessarily just about Christmas Um, but then you'll see Blenheim, Holcomb um as well and Holcomb were kind of going at it second time around and Harewood for the first time so like we've shared a lot of um knowledge and kind of talked a lot really about how we've approached it and I've been a real advocate for it so I've encouraged those other houses (laughs) sorry they might hate me for it now (laughs) to to go for it because we'd had such a positive experience last year with the team filming Narnia I've kind of can vouch for the fact that they you know they want to work with us and we're all pulling in the same direction so like I think for us as well my other bits of advice are maximizing the opportunity once it's happened so making sure SEO is all like working really hard for you making sure as soon as like we had to kind of basically open all those doors to our website because when a million people are watching you on channel four on a Saturday night like we didn't want the website crashing we wanted really clear calls to action about booking for Christmas and booking the cottages and campsite you know anything we can sell (laughs) when there's that opportunity of that many people kind of googling you we wanted to make sure we were ready for it we were also really aware that a lot of the people watching the tv show wouldn't necessarily be in the area or region and could just you know buy an admission ticket and um you know we hope when the christmas show goes out on the 3rd of december it will sell any final tickets remaining and it certainly did last year but we've this year decided to 
do a virtual experience that people can buy. So we'll probably have that on sale, you know, to coordinate with the, um, with the Christmas TV show going out. So for those people who are overseas or who, you know, can't get to Castle Howard this Christmas, there'll be a kind of virtual tour. Um, obviously inspired by places like London Transport Museum, who do their hidden London tours and, you know, with plenty of kind of theatre events do similar, um, and do it really well. So, and then like for us, maximizing the, the press and PR opportunities that, that come out of um the exposure um and and i like and then my other advice is is the boring stuff really <laughs> um, making sure everything is covered from insurance and how we protect our assets like having really clear guidelines for when the film crew is in the house what they are and aren't permitted to do like having all those access arrangements and risk assessments all like agreed up front so like there's a leak on the roof of course, the film crew are going to want to be up on the roof at the moment when that happens. And you haven't got time to go through the whole process of doing a risk assessment and, you know, talking about insurance at that point. So it's kind of trying to think about all the scenarios up front and making sure all of that paperwork was was done. Um, so that's the boring stuff. And then like my communication, just communication, communication. You can't over communicate it. I found people get really grumpy <laughs> if you turn up with a TV crew whilst they're busy uh, in the middle of something highly important or some kind of high risk job. And I'm like, oh, could we film you? Like it generally doesn't go down brilliantly. So um, I've been an absolute stuck record in every meeting I've been in this year where I've been asking, can Channel 4 film it? Can Channel 4 film it? Because, you know, and then kind of um, making sure people are, wearing something appropriate if I know you know people are going in to film them like properly branded uniforms and um you know just kind of giving people a heads up so they know that it's likely they're doing a thing as part of their day and I'm going to be along with a tv crew um but actually what's happened then is as the year has progressed people have come forward more and more with opportunities so people start letting me know oh we're doing a um, acorn picking was one thing I would never have known there was an acorn picking initiative going on in the forestry department so people are kind of you know have been coming forward to me and I've now got this brilliant content army of people kind of letting me know what's going on in their week ahead and they're actively thinking all the time oh this might make a a great story for the tv so I think you know you just you can't over communicate stuff and then uh, the final thing which has been my mantra um it's absolutely obvious but if you don't say it on camera they can't put it on tv (laughs) such simple advice simple advice you know (laughs) Abby this is going to be one of my favorite podcast episodes ever you you are always so generous with the advice that you give and the support that you give to the sector so thank you for saying that you will help people and you're happy to talk to them I think that's really amazing we will put all of your details in the show notes so people can find out about you but how do we if you're not watching it already how do we find out about the show where can we watch it Yes, it's called Castle Howard Through the Seasons. It's a Channel 4 production. Um, So it's going out on Saturday night, but more likely you'll be able to catch up with it on all four kind of watch on demand. And I'm sure it's something that will get repeated uh, variously across the years because, um, you know, that's that's great. You know, they're busy repeating, I think, Chatsworth's documentary at the moment as well. And and there's um, one happening at High Clear. And I think these things just kind of have quite a long shelf life, actually. So hopefully you'll be able to watch it on demand way into the future 
<laughs> embarrassingly for sure yeah. without a doubt yeah. um abby we always ask our guests to share a book with us before they leave something that they love or something that they've just enjoyed as part of their career or personal what would you like to share with us in my life outside of castle howard uh i do a lot of baking and cooking and we have a little family business and cafe so i'm like a crazy baking lady <laughs> some nights um for that but i actually so it was difficult to choose because i've got like a whole amazing shelf of cookbooks that i use very regularly but um Sabrina Geyer, who has um, recently released Persiana Every Day, I kind of absolutely love Middle Eastern cooking. And I'm not really sure where this passion came from. But I think like that particular book I've been using a lot recently because it's they're kind of good, quick recipes. Um, they're really reliable and they're brilliant kind of midweek, not overly complex when you've got your kind of store cupboard of ingredients sorted. But um I actually chose this because it's something that so our Channel 4 producer who's been with us for a year, Hannah, um, and I massively bonded over food and both being foodies. Um, and um, we I actually invited Sabrina to our press launch at Castle Howard because she's recently moved to the area. And funnily enough, so I got a tweet. I got a DM tweet from Sabrina Gale saying, oh, you work at Castle Howard. I love Castle Howard. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I love you. I've got your book and use it all the time. I can't believe you're you know trying to befriend me (laughs) um so I invited her along to the press launch and she came and Hannah Channel 4 Hannah and I had like a proper fangirl moment of just basically going we really love your recipes (laughs) um so it felt like a good relevant a relevant one um although there were plenty I could could have chosen oh my god I am so with you on this all I have all of her books except this one maybe I'll enter myself good Christmas present good exactly yeah there you go they are the books I go to if we're having people over for dinner or like every New Year's Eve, we cook like a feast for the yeah. two of us. So it would be three of yeah. us now, but we cook an absolute yeah. feast and it's always lamb and it's always something incredibly delicious from one of her books. And I think, I think I would have found girl yeah, a little bit too. I know. And she uses our farm shop a lot, obviously, because we have estate tenant farmers. And, you know, I think like it's really brilliant to sort of champion that field to fork message. Yeah. And if you're going to kind of eat, meat um you know it's brilliant that it's it's local and you know it's, it's such a treat for me to be able to have a farm shop on at work where I can and get that from so yeah. so yeah it's brilliant um, oh amazing all right well look listeners as ever if you want to be in with a chance of winning that book if you go over to our twitter account and you retweet this episode announcement with I want Abby's books a uh, book even you will be in with a chance of winning it this is the second cookbook that we've had on the podcast recently as well there's a little trend here I'm getting a a little message the other one that I was close is I um when I was on holiday recently I read um I'm sure somebody must have recommended it the Bob Iger book a ride of a lifetime so he was the ceo of disney for 15 years and this week has just been announced that he's back at disney after retiring and so i just like not to go um on as a prize but that's a for anybody working in visitor attractions i found it a really inspiring read and like the last paragraph of what sorry the last chapter really is kind of his bullet points of you know the the kind of things he lived by whilst running disney and I'm going to do the kind of old school thing where I print it out and stick it on my wall. So that's just a top tip for, you know, <laughs> the sector. I'm sure most people have read it and I'm, as usual, three years behind <laughs> the trend. No, it it's not been recommended, though. It definitely has no. not come up on our, no, I will check our library list 
but I am positive that that hasn't come up yet. So, but you can't win that one. It has to be Sabrina because you will fully appreciate the cookbook. Trust me. Um, Abby, thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight as always to talk to you. And I do feel so honoured to be second time round. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. You're always such a treat when you come on. And um, I genuinely am so grateful for all the, the support and advice that you give to people. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.